Today on Current Events from a Christian Perspective, happy Groundhog Day. And in the news, Denny's joins in and out in leaving Oakland. Can't imagine why. Late night host dumps on a state senator for wanting to make life safer for families and children. And speaking of bad behavior, the Senate staffer who did really gross things in the Senate meeting room will not be charged, proving once again we live in an upside down world. All this and more today, I'm Matt Odegaard and this is Church Public. Once again, welcome back to Church Public. Really appreciate you stopping by today. We've got a great show full of all kinds of wacky news. If you haven't already, hit the like button, the subscribe. If you want to leave a review, I really appreciate that. If you want to share this with someone who you think needs to understand what's going on in the world, that's great. And of course, you can support at churchpublic.com slash support. Bring you current events from a Christian perspective so that you can live out your faith um, in the best way that you can in and amongst all of this crazy times. So before we get to some of the news, I just wanted to talk about Groundhog Day. You're probably watching this on a day that's beyond Groundhog Day at this point, and that's fine. But we just passed this holiday, Groundhog Day, and I was thinking about it. And honestly, I was not really caring that much about it. But I decided to go down a rabbit hole or a groundhog hole, if you will, metaphorically, and remember the movie with the same name. So if you somehow missed this movie, uh, you know, or you don't remember it, it has the protagonist Bill Murray as a weatherman sent to Buxatawney, Pennsylvania, to do the story of whether or not the groundhog sees his shadow. Right? You all know that story. Of course, this main character, his name is Phil, not Bill, but Phil, anyway, he thinks this story of, of you know, reporting on the groundhog is silly. And he treats it as a joke. And unfortunately, he's kind of a jerk about most things and treats people like dirt. By the way, this movie is also hilarious. So if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it lately, I mean, it's funny. Uh, uh, I will say, mention, it, it's not entirely appropriate. There are some parts, but overall, it's just really hilarious. Now, like any good story, there's a heroine love interest character named Rita and Phil... Well, he kind of treats her like dirt, too. So he does this groundhog story in a half-hearted way, and he's heading out of town when he's stopped by a blizzard. And the state trooper says something to the effect of, don't you watch the weather reports? <laughs> he's a weatherman. And so the, the state trooper asks Phil, and Phil says, I mean, kind of claiming to be God, he says, I make the weather, uh, you know, anyway. And so the trooper explains to Phil, you can either turn around and go back to Punxsutawney or freeze to death. Which is it going to be? And then there's this pause. Again, hilarious movie. And he goes, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. See, it's funny. So anyway, the next morning, clock radio in the room goes off. Phil hears the same radio show he heard the day before. There's the song, I Got You, Babe. There's It's Groundhog Day. So he thinks it's a joke. Um, but then he realizes in the same ever repeating day, he's just stuck in it. And it's, again, hilarious, full of calamity. If you're listening and not watching, here's a picture of him because at one point the groundhog is driving the car. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that are happening in this movie, and it's hilarious. And why are we talking about this? Well, all right. So I, I, I think there's some other things going on. And what I like about this story is it illustrates what this world thinks we should act like, but also perhaps inadvertently illustrates what actually happens in real life when we live certain ways and live other ways. For instance, after realizing the day just repeats over and over with no consequences, 
Phil just goes wild. He becomes a teenager with no limits. He eats everything in sight, uh, and it's really rather gross with no limits. And he smokes, and he drives drunk, and he becomes super reckless, and becomes a ladies' man, and has affairs with whomever he can. He just lives his dreams. He becomes a teenager, uh, you know, and just acts out all of his ideas. But after all of this, he realizes none of it satisfies. He discovers all this free living, all this sinning, all this sexual promiscuity, he can, uh, it just doesn't fill his soul. And he's become a leech on the world, or really, he has been the whole time. He just didn't know it. And he becomes aware of the fact that he actually is. And he becomes really rather broken from the realization that he's not contributed anything to the world. And if anything, he's been not great for those around him. So he realizes he needs to give, he needs to serve, he needs to live rightly. Now, I'm not going to over-Christianize this, but from this point, he does start building good habits. He learns piano, he helps people in all kinds of jobs, big jobs, small jobs. He just helps everybody. He saves the same kid that falls out of a tree every day. He even tries to help this homeless man in this heart-wrenching story, but unfortunately, the homeless man just continues to die every day. Finally, he gives up trying to get, trying to win the girl, and he just begins to enjoy life. Some would say he finally shows gratitude for the day he is given. And then, after that, he finally wakes up. Now, is all of that in the movie on purpose? Maybe. I'm not sure. Many have speculated, and even the writers and producers have commented. Either way, the principle stands. You can try to fill up your soul with all of the things of this world, but they will ultimately not satisfy. This culture says, live your truth, but you can't. You have to live the life you're given, and that gift comes from God. Doing whatever you want hurts those around you, and it even hurts you, whereas loving God and loving your neighbor is a blessing to everyone. This is the silly little lesson from a silly little movie about Groundhog Day, but it really is grounded in a great truth Namely, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, 24. Now, let's get to some news. All right. Um, you know, I brought you this story the other day about in and out and unfortunately, we've got another one going on here, and this is Denny's. <laughs> like... Whether you like hamburgers or pancakes in Oakland, they're just going to be harder to find. The Denny's is closing its Oakland location after 54 years of being in this location. And the reason is the same as Denny's. The crime is just too high, too high in the city. They can't guarantee the safety of the patrons or the workers. They said, quote, the safety and well-being of the Denny's team is our top priority. Weighing those factors, the decision has been made to close this location. Again, I mentioned this closing comes after In-N-Out closed, and I think this was on either our last episode or the one before that, again in Oakland, due to rampant crime and theft. It stands to note as well, the In-N-Out restaurant said they were actually a profitable store financially. The problem is rampant crime and theft made the place unsafe. Back to referring to Denny's, this is the first time in the chain's 75-year history it's been forced to close one of his restaurants. And that's just the problem. That's the problem that we have going on continuously. When you vilify the police, when you don't enforce laws, when you release criminals without punishment, you cannot expect society to function. 
When there's high trust in society, we can walk around safely and grab burgers and pancakes and anything else. But when you don't enforce justice and you let crime run rampant, stores have to close and leave. And that's bad for everybody. <clears throat> the government is charged with keeping peace. We even call police officers peace officers. When the government stops doing what it's supposed to do, others, well-intentioned or not, will fill the void. And it's not pretty, as we see, when justice is gone. Now, this is, of course, a silly story about burgers and pancakes, but it's a symptom of a bigger and broken system that unfortunately looks like it's going to get worse. Meanwhile, some stores are closing for crime. Here is a DMV site that is closing for playing Christian music, or at least that's what this story seems to say. So we have this DMV site this is in North Carolina, and this North Carolina, I guess it's called a tag office in North Carolina, so it's like a DMV or a Department of Motor Vehicles, something like that, Bureau of Motor Vehicles, depending on which state you're in, and you can go and get some of the services of the Department of Motor Vehicles at this place. This is via the Queen City News. The North Carolina Department of Motor Vehicles said the operator of a license plate agency in Lincoln County has opted to retire and close up his shop. And the question comes to, well, why? The why is the office has been open since 2020, received high praise for its service among the local community. And I'll pause there and say, that seems like they're doing a pretty good job, does it not? Continuing on with the story, state rep Jason Sane of Lincoln County said the operator reached out to him after the state ordered changes at the office. What were the changes? Well, apparently they used to play Christian music and have Don't Tread on Me hats, which some considered overtly religious or political. Sane said the issue started from a compliment on the service at the Lincoln Town office, which again, I have to pause and say... What? Someone said they were doing a good job? Okay, let's continue on. So the compliment mentioned what was inside to the state. Saying the official said he saw the message himself when relating the content of what was said to Queen City News. In a statement, the DMV said the division did not take any action against or close the Lincolnton license plate agency. Last week, the division received a complaint from a customer of this location and has been in communication with the operator. Monday evening, the division received a letter from the operator about the desire to retire and close the office. So this operator played Christian music and had some Don't Tread on Me merchandise. And instead of not playing the music that he enjoyed and represented his faith, he closed the office down. There's a lot of sadness in this. And I'll point to the bigger picture of in an age where you get sent to prison for calmly sitting in front of an abortion clinic singing worship songs, which we looked at last week, or charged with a hate crime for beheading the statue of Satan made out of plastic bags and pool noodles. But you can topple over and melt the statue of Robert E. Lee or set a pregnancy care center on fire with basically no consequences. Is it a wonder that this man closed his shop for not being able to play Christian, Christian music? And to me, I would say no, because this is the state of the world that we're in. You can't be a Christian in public. And just a reminder too, Gadsden, the Don't Tread on Me um, creator, he designed this flag and it was first used somewhere around 1775 in the Continental Congress in Philadelphia, <laughs> and the person who co-designed it, Benjamin Franklin. 
So if there, I, is there anything less patriotic? Is there anything more patriotic than a flag that literally Benjamin, Fra Benjamin Franklin helped create to help win the Revolutionary War for the whole country of America, the colonies of America at the time? I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, this flag, uh, you know, it was used by Marines as they went into battle. Americans have long waved it as a symbol against oppression. But that's just too much, apparently, for the local Department of Motor Vehicles. This is the world we're living in. Let's continue on in other stories. Meanwhile, in Oklahoma, Senator is trying to legislate against bad things, <laughs> which we'll talk about what they are, and the establishment doesn't like it. Now, I talked about this guy before. Man, the more that I hear from him, the more things he does as a senator, I just love it. And we need to keep talking about it. But he's been mocked relentlessly by a late night host. Um, and that is Jimmy Fallon. Listen, I watched this clip. I'm actually not going to play you this clip because it's too gross the way that he, uh, Fallon, mocked Devers. It really is too gross. Um, it was pretend, I guess I'll just call it what it is. It was pretend sexting. And it was gross and, and not necessary. But the point is... Fallon making fun of Devers for being too prudish. So, the aim is to make fun of prudish people like Devers because they don't want to send gross naked pictures to random people for hookups. The horror. A politician wants to keep marriage bed pure, help others do the same, and a bunch of other things that Devers wants to do, and that is just too much for the establishment to take. This is not the live and let live, just let me do whatever I want and it's not going to hurt anybody libertarian, liberal, secular, leftist view that this culture wants to have. Instead, it is a Christian worldview of you should actually live the life that's best, not whatever you want to do. So as a reminder, just so we're all on the same page, this Republican state senator, Dusty Devers, proposed a number of bills that he said align with biblical standards. So they were things like Abolish abortion, repeal no-fault divorce, ban pornography, introduce a crackdown on false witness um, and lying, reform election laws, eliminate income taxes, grocery tax rebate, etc., etc. A lot of things that he personally said were connected to his faith. He is a minister at a Grace Reformed Baptist Church in southwestern Oklahoma, and he has promised to, to introduce all of these socially conservative bills and is starting to do it. He said, quote, because they voted me into office, I, as their servant, filed the bills that represented many of the reasons they elected me. It is my honor to represent their voice as calling for the elimination of said things that we just talked about. And I'll just say, end quote. I summarized a little at the end. You can go look up the quote if you want to. The point is, he's doing what he said he was going to do and trying to legislate from a Christian foundational worldview. And I have to pause there again and say, I know people are saying, no, you can't legislate morality. And I continue and we'll just keep beating this drum of every law you make legislates morality. It just does. The only question is whether it's, 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 is it based on uh, your Christian foundation or is it based on some weird pagan idea of hookup culture or whatever else. <clears throat> so this late night host pokes fun at Devers who wants to maintain and help maintain sexual purity. And the joke is, well, you should just be sexing whoever you want whenever you want because that's cool, right? That essentially is the joke that happens on this late night show. And I guess the extension is, well, what harm can come from that? But 
Of course, harm comes from that. That's the thing here, people. And it's actually really tragic. We've seen skyrocketing numbers of teens taking their own lives as they've been victimized by those that get hold of these naked pictures that they text. It wrecks reputations and even worse. The fact that Devers wants to end that or even greatly reduce that is it's, this should be not controversial and it should be celebrated and encouraged across America, but instead, because it cannot be tolerated and you cannot put any limit on you being you, it's ridiculed at the highest levels, even onto late night TV which nothing else should remind you, don't believe the people who work on late night TV. All right, a couple more here. This one, oh, I didn't really want to talk about this story, but apparently we have to talk about this story. This is the story of a high school boy's bathroom. I mean, if anything, that should stop you in your tracks right there. It's a terrifying place. But this particular high school boy's bathroom had a rebellion, a mutiny, as it were, against a product that was placed in this high school boy's bathroom. So, unfortunately, in this story, the thing that we have to talk about is, uh, and this is via Fox News, a feminine product dispenser, that's right, a feminine product dispenser was installed in the boy's restroom, and it lasted less than an hour before being ripped out and destroyed in this Connecticut high school. And I just want to pause there and say, great job. But let's continue on a little bit more of this story. So in order to comply with state law, apparently Brookfield High School installed a feminine product dispenser in a boys restroom at 9.30 a.m. on January 21st, 24th, excuse me. The school's principal, Mark Belanda, reported that by 9.52, so 22 minutes later, the dispenser had been vandalized and ripped from the wall. Again, great job. <laughs> in an effort uh, excuse me, in an email to the school, Belanda wrote, he was disgusted. I, I got to pause there in the story and say, this principal is disgusted, disgusted, mind you, that these boys would rip. Yeah, a feminine products dispenser from the wall of the boys' bathroom. Uh, okay, I'll continue on in this in this quote. Uh, in this in this article, Belanda wrote, he's disgusted and dismayed by the act. He said, quote, I'm aware the law says men's bathroom, but the actions today led to vandalism and destruction of property. And they were the work of immature boys, not men. End quote. Growly face, squiggly emoji. I don't know. I'm making that up. But that, that's how I'm reading this. He's calling <laughs> people. Do you not see this? OK, he's calling the high school boys, <laughs> immature boys for removing the feminine product dispenser from the wall of the boys' bathroom. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that sounds more manly, actually, than immature boys to me. But let's continue on a little more in this article and then talk about it. He said, although no motive was disclosed, Brookfield Board of Education Chair Wendy Youngblood suggested the student, quote, wants to make a point about some aspect of life at school. This is not an effective way of doing it. This is their quote still. Most importantly, it overruns law and the rights of some people who need feminine products, end quote. <clears throat> Do I have to say this out loud, people? This is the boys' restroom. If you need those things, you're in the wrong place because it's the boys' restroom. I shouldn't have to say that out loud, but this is the world we're in. Just as a connection point, Connecticut law passed in 2023 stated that effective September 1st, 2024, quote, each local and regional board of education shall provide free products, menstrual products available in women's restrooms, all gender restrooms, and at least one men's restroom, which restrooms are accessible to students in grades three to 12. 
talking about students, 3 through 12th grade. Okay. Man, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm just going to try. I'm going to try to summarize and be quick about them. Let's start with this. This whole story is based on a lie. I mean, we have to acknowledge that. This whole story is based on a lie, the lie that a man can be a woman. I don't know what to tell you, people. That's a lie. A man cannot be a woman because it's not possible. This is living in reality. So this lie promulgates into action, which lies always do. Lies become action. And the action is to force the lie onto these high school boys and to put then this feminine product dispenser in the boys' bathroom. The boys, I would say, being normal and seeing the lie, revolt and remove the lie from the boys' bathroom, which really is the reasonable thing to do because it's a lie. This should be the end of the story. And in fact, I would take this as a moment of celebration of ethical clarity. Lying is not loving. Promoting a lie hurts people. Forcing high school boys to live out a lie is manipulative and con controlling and really, really just evil. It just makes me think of 1984 again, which a large part of the storyline of 1984, which I know I use too much, is to make you say the thing that's not true. It's not just that there's something that's not true. It's not just that they're saying something is not true. It's that you must be forced to say the thing that's not true, which is exactly what's happening here. They're putting this machine that is only for women and girls in the boys' bathroom, forcing them to pretend like that's a real thing. And these boys, although they are boys being boys and destruction is not particularly helpful, in this case, they're moving to the end of reality and saying this is not real and it doesn't belong here because that's not possible. So, I cannot support wanton vandalism and destruction, but we're at the point in the story where we have to call apples apples, or something like that. All right, speaking of defacing property, and I have no images or videos for this, intentionally so, the Senate staffer who engaged in really gross things in the Senate building is to be let off on no charges. And again, I'm going to spare you the details, and for those of you just listening, I'm not posting any pictures or videos here, so you're welcome to everybody. Anyway. Former aide to Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat of Maryland, filmed a scene in the Senate office building, and, and I'm just going to like scare quotes scene uh, because, yeah, then apparently posted it on the internet. Again, I've not seen it. I don't suggest going to look for it. But apparently, according now to U.S. Capitol Police, this is not even a misdemeanor, and there's no punishment being charged as far as I can read. So first... I'm going to pause and say, this should be at least a misdemeanor. If there's no current law on the books that it's illegal to have gross relations in the Senate building, there should be. Why should there not be? Why is this okay? Not to mention filming it and posting it online. If this is not a crime, it should be a crime. That is both gross and a misuse of the place that you're in that's supposed to be <laughs> the sacred seat of democracy, or so I'm told. Secondly, this gets into an area of ethics and behavior, which is not very popular right now, but I just feel like we have to discuss. And that is, what you do in private does have implication into the public. I know, those liberals out there and even libertarians and some conservatives at this point, though I don't know what they're conserving, will say, live and let live. You just do whatever you want to do and you do it in private and it doesn't affect me. Just live and let live, you know, live your truth. But this is not right. This is a wrong view of, again, reality and human nature. On the one hand, from a whole life perspective, before we get into the biblical thing, if you don't believe in that, 
what you do in private will influence what you do in public. And we just saw that in weird rulings in policies like putting feminine products in a boy's bathroom. Somebody believed that was a real thing in private, and now it's having real-life effects in public. You can't hide the things you do in private forever. They just come out into reality. This is the reality of life breaking through. You can lie as much as you want. You can even try to force people to lie for you, but truth will always win out. Additionally, even if you don't like the Bible, if you go back to Aristotle, he talked about this in the Nicomachean Ethics, the eudaimonia, the good life can only come from virtue practice from a private life to public actions. In short, you become what you practice. This is what he believed. And while I don't agree with everything that Aristotle said and did and evaluated, this particular one does make sense through biblical lens, as we'll see in a moment. But if you practice, well, things in private that you don't want people to know about in public, you just have to understand you wait and they will find out. Again, the truth will find you out. That's just the way it is. Aristotle believed it. Modern psychology believes it. And then, of course, biblically, this is also, of course, true. Nothing is private from God. Numbers 32, 23, your sin will find you out. In other words, you cannot hide sin forever. Here's a couple more. Matthew 6, 4, 6, 6, 6, 8. Uh, sorry, 6, 18. Your father sees in secret and will reward you. Yes, Jesus is talking about other things there, but the point is he sees your heart, he knows what it is, and whatever comes out is going to come out. And the straight word from God, Proverbs 28, 13, if you hide your sins, you will not succeed. I'll give you one more. This is kind of a scary one from Jeremiah. I could probably do this all day. There's a lot of scriptures about this, but this is Jeremiah 16, 17 through 18. I see, that's God, I see everything they do. They cannot hide from me the things they do. Their sin is not hidden from my eyes. I will pay back the people of Judah twice for every one of their sins because they have made my land unclean. They have filled my country with their hateful idols. Listen, you may or may not believe in the Bible. You may or may not understand what that's coming from, but you have to understand this is the idea regardless of what tenet you believe. In practice, you, you just can't possibly believe that what you do in secret doesn't matter at all to what you do in public. Of course it does. This culture says you can do whatever you want to whomever you want, when whoever you want, whenever you want, and there's no consequences to it. But you've got to realize, of course there are consequences. There are always consequences to bad actions. And on the other side, often there are benefits from virtue, whether or not you see them on this side of eternity. But there just are, and we need to live the way we're supposed to live. Going back to the Bible again, God says, be holy as I am holy. Peter responds to that, reminds us of that, and says we're supposed to set an example. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, you're supposed to set an example in life and love and purity. Um, he tells the Philippians basically the same thing in chapter four, on and on. We could keep quoting from the Bible to say that you're supposed to live in the right way. You're not supposed to live in the wrong way, even if people don't see it, which gets back to our initial Groundhog Day that you can go and live your life however you want. You can be as debauched as you want. You can do whatever you want with whoever you want, whenever you want. But the reality is, one, it's not going to fulfill you because it can't. And two, you're going to leave a wake of disaster everywhere you go because that's what happens. You hurt yourself, you hurt others. And instead, I hope that you will love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength in everything that you do. And 
from there, your love of God leads into love of one another. With everything that you have, you love your neighbor as yourself. Hope this has been helpful to you. If it has, leave a comment, a like, or a review. Otherwise, for Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard, and as always, I hope you'll keep the faith.